Hi, welcome to the Mama Advocate Podcast. This is a safe place for adoptive and special needs mamas to feel less alone and find community amidst their unconventional journeys. Here, you're going to find authentic conversations for me and my guests who are parenting fully in the weeds with you. Our goal is to empower and encourage you to be the best mama you can be as you advocate for your people. Hello, everybody. Today we have Jessica with us, and I've been following Jessica for a long time, and just am always so inspired by um, just her amazingness and how she is taking something just kind of un- unpredictable, unplanned, and made it into just beauty and grace. And she's an author and is doing great things for the special needs community. And so I'm going to turn it over to her and let her introduce herself and her family and. Um, Tell us more about her journey. All the things. Well, thanks for having me. Um, Yes, I'm an author. I'm a mom of eight children, including a son who's profoundly disabled. Uh, We live in Michigan. I'm also the founder and executive director of the Lucas Project, uh, which is a nonprofit that serves special needs families. And um, what else do I do? I host a podcast called Coffee with Caregivers, produced a documentary called Unseen, How We're Failing Parent Caregivers and Why It Matters. And we are starting um, a farm called Hope Farm for our son, Lucas. Um, I think that about covers it. (laughs) Yeah, those are the things I wanted to go over. So I'm excited. I'm really excited for you to share. Um, So I know that you guys are a blended family correct? Yes. And you're eight kids. And what do you mind kind of describing Lucas's diagnosis and, and what that's meant for you guys? Um, he, I just, I describe it as he is a total care individual and will require total care for the rest of his life. He has numerous diagnoses, uh, including ID, uh, level three autism, scoliosis, Chiari malformation, hydrocephalus, like the list goes on. Um, that just inhibit him from being able to do most things independently. Um, so we have to assist him in just about every aspect of life. Um, he's 18 now. And in terms of, you know, what that has looked like for our family, um, I would say I used to have a lot of guilt sort of surrounding how much time Lucas took, especially as a mom to seven other children. And just within the past year, I've started to reframe that thought process. And as a family, we operate very much as a team. And when one team member needs more like Lucas, we rally and we help that teammate, just like we would for any one of us who might need some extra support for a period of time. Um, And that has helped me immensely as a mom who has felt guilty because my kids don't get a lot of one-on-one time. Um, But we do make it a priority to sit around the dinner table almost every night have a meal together, catch up on the day. Um, And I think as it's kind of a modern phenomenon where we feel like our kids need so much one-on-one time. And I'm not so sure that that's even accurate. Um, As a culture, we've always operated much more in a tribal sense. And we've tried to take that tribal sense and apply it to our family. And I think it's alleviated a lot of my mom guilt. And we've gotten a lot closer because we do operate in this teamwork framework. <laughs> so I, I don't know if that makes sense, um, but we're kind of, we're kind of bucking the system a little bit and saying kids aren't going to die if they don't have constant one-on-one time. 
um, they do have constant family time. And that's what's really important. I mean, I love that so much. I want to get that <laughs> cross-stitched on a pillow. Because um, you have a bunch of kids too, right? We do. We have 10. And yeah. I'm kind of the same mindset of like, yeah, we're a team and we're, we're doing things together and we're going to rally around each other when we need each other. And um, I, so I love that. Yeah. Because we don't get to go spend one-on-one time with each kid every day. And No, it's impossible. Make, make things a priority and try to do things, but it's impossible, right? And so, yeah, and there are special times, that, definitely, yep. that you have that individualized time with your children, but you just, there's not enough of you to make that constantly happen. What else I love about what you said is just thinking about, I often think about just kind of all the generations that have gone before us and how they lived life and how we are so different, like our culture is so different, how we cater to our kids and um, do everything for them and all these things, right? And so anytime I start to feel that guilt from our society, I think back to the millions of societies that gone before us and think about that tribal, everybody's pitching in, we're all doing things. Yeah. Like, so love that. I love that you said that and shared that. Um, with your other kiddos, do they step in and help Lucas a lot? Um, some are are much more bonded to Luke than others. Um, we do have kids who are kind of indifferent, like me, there's Luke. <laughs> um, and then we have some that, that are extremely compassionate and sympathetic um, and are always like interacting with him and offering to help with him. I should, I should mention as well, we have a built into their allowance system um, help with Luke. So they do chores and they receive an allowance and there are chores associated with Luke that are built right into that system. So they get paid. It's not like a ton of money, but it's, you know, earning responsibility and um, just this task oriented, like once again, this team structure where we're all part of this and you don't just get to sit around and play video games while mom and dad do everything. Like that's not how this family works. So, but we're happy to give you some allowance for your help. And um, I think that alleviates some of the uh, like guilt from me because we are paying them to help out. And then some of the feelings of, um, well, this isn't fair. And why do I have to do this? You know, in terms of the kids and the siblings. Yeah. I really like that idea. Um, We're typically like with all of our chores and stuff, I typically don't do an allowance. There's like this bottom line of like, Hey, we're a team, we work together. You live here kind of that. But I think that just adding that extra step of caring for someone else. Um, I think that's really wise. Like, so it's more like a job or an attendant or something like that. Right. They're kind of stepping into that role. So. Yeah. We'll see how it plays out. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, if well, like all in therapist's office 10 years from now complaining about how they had to help I'm their sure. brother. Or, I'm know. sure they will be right. hundred percent right. And they will still complain about it. Exactly. And, yeah. There's so much freedom there. Um, can I ask a question and you can either not answer or tell me you don't want to answer on this podcast. And I feel really great about that, but is the attachment with Lucas, is it, mainly with biological siblings? No. Um, Interestingly, no, it's kind of across the board. Um, We have some who are his adopted and some, I would say there's one adopted and one bio. Um, And I've been very vocal about Josh's cool, you know, and his relationship uh, with Luke. He, for those who aren't aware, Josh is 13 and he has a bond with Lucas. He's the only brother left at home. His two other older brothers are in college right now. So 
he taught Luke, Luke mimics a lot. And he taught Luke that his name is Josh's cool. So whenever he walks by, Luke is, is like, Josh is cool. Josh is cool. And he's like wanting Josh to come and help him with something. And that is, that is a bio sibling relationship. But then we also have one who's adopted, who's very close with Luke as well. And I would say the rest are just sort of indifferent. Like he's just been a part of their lives. And I don't think um, they have any like bad feelings towards him or feelings of resentment. He's just always been a part of their lives. Yeah. And I think that's okay. Yeah, I do too. I wonder, I wonder how many, like, cause I think my inclination would be like, no, we all need to love each other. We need to like, yeah, I feel right. that way. And I think I've had to struggle with that too, with our adopted three. So our adopted three are our special needs buddies. And so, um, just wanting so desperately for our bio kids just to embrace them and love them. And, and for our littler ones that are their same age, like that's not been a deal at all, but I think there's had to be some release of control and some release of what I want in this for our older kids. Right. Letting them feel what they feel about it. And so that's hard though. It is very hard. I think these young adults that we're raising, it's way, way more challenging in every aspect than, than the littles. I mean, the littles were like physically challenging, but as you know, they grow and they have these opinions and feelings and, (sighs) and like trying not to take it personally, like, (laughs) There's just so much there. We're so opinionated. Mm-hmm. I'm with you that I could do littles all day long. And these teenagers, I'm like, they're giving me a run for my money. Yes. <laughs> they're, they're killing me. Um, okay. So I know that you have three different books out and I have your middle book, but I don't know about your, well, I know about them, but I would love for you to tell us more about your first book and your recent book that launched this year. Um. My first book was Sunlight Burning at Midnight, and that's basically the story that begins the story of when I found out when I was pregnant with Lucas that he had experienced a stroke in utero, and it was recommended that we terminate that pregnancy and try again. Um, That follows through my late husband's um, battle with brain cancer for three years, and then my eventual meeting of Ryan and his three children, which led to Blended with Grit and Grace, um, the story of our blended family living in rural Tennessee, um, hacking out this dream of the simple life, which was not simple one single bit, especially with disabilities and profound autism. And there was just nothing out there for us. And then Lovin with Grit and Grace just released this February. And that's more of like a relationship marriage angle um, with special needs and autism and just all the things. And it's, it's not at all like a handbook or a, this is how you should do it. It's just our stories and what's worked for us and what hasn't worked. And hopefully if people can find encouragement or a laugh or two, or they can think we're ridiculous as they're reading it. But um, I'm really proud of that book. It was the most vulnerable book I've ever, ever written. Um, and we explore some really hard topics that we've encountered in marriage and how we've come out on the other side 13 years later. And I'm just really proud of my husband as well. He, he lends his voice to numerous chapters and um, just the vulnerability that he also shared in that book was just really encouraging. I think I need to go get that or I need to order that today. 
Yes. I I think, well, for us, and I'm curious if this is the case for you, I think having our three special buddies has really put us more on the same page and more in the fight together and not fighting against each other, but fighting with each other. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know that that's not always the case with special needs parents. And I can see why, because it is so stinking hard. Right. Um, but I don't know if it's because we have large families and it's in, I'm like, he's the only guy that's going to be around because nobody right. else is gonna marry me with 10 kids. And like, we talk about that. Like we have no options. Like am I going to get on a dating app and somebody's going to actually want to like go out with me with eight kids? Like yeah. probably not. So yes. So do you feel kind of the same way of like, Hey, this is driven you guys together. I think so. And I have a chapter even in the book about how um, codependency, the word codependency gets such a bad rap, but in a sense, like he and I are very codependent on each other. Like I have my roles. He has his roles. I certainly don't want to like do this life all by myself and he doesn't either. So there is sort of this level of codependency and trust that we have like built into our relationship good or bad, but I don't want to be a single mom with eight children and profound disabilities. Um, so it, it definitely keeps me here planted, working out the hard things rather than just running away and vice versa. Hey, let's take a quick break. Mama, I know that you are doing a great job, but maybe there's something you've been neglecting like yourself or your marriage, the rest of your family or the systems in your home. Or maybe you're just ready for a change, but you don't know where to start. That's where we come in. Mama Systems can help you put systems in place so that your family is more organized, more peaceful, and more balanced. And so that you feel like you can get everything done that you need to get done during the day. We'll help make sure that you have a plan to advocate for your child in school and in the community, that you take care of yourself, your marriage, and the rest of your family, and that you have systems in place to help build teamwork mentality in your home and make daily life more manageable. All of this is doable and you deserve it, Mama. Check out mamasystems.net today. All right, back to our show. I love that. Um, is there any encouragement? Like if there are special needs parents listening and they're just butting heads, disagreeing, I know that you're not a marriage counselor or anything, but do you have any like good ideas for them just to be able to push towards each other instead of away from each other. I think so, so often in our lives, it's, we wake up like two, two, three, five, ten 10 years in, and we're like, we haven't had fun in so long. And it's hard to communicate sometimes I think, or even have intimacy if you're not having sort of that basis of fun and friendship. So just sort of set aside all the icky feelings and just suggest, you know, let's, let's go for a picnic in the park or let's go bowling or just something fun and try to regain some sort of connection that will hopefully open a door for communication and intimacy. Cause I know so often people are like, well, communication and intimacy and sex and those things can't happen if you're not in a good space. So you somehow have to get into a decent space again, where you're enjoying time with one another or those other elements are never 
going to happen. Yeah. Agreed. Well, yes. I'm really excited to look at your book and read it and just adding it to my list for the year. <laughs> when we get crabby, we're often like, we haven't done anything fun in a long time. Like we've just been in sort of survival mode, hacking this life out and that's not good. So that's your go-to, like we're really struggling. That's what we need to do. We need to go for a hike or something fun. And then that usually leads to like communication and intimacy and all the other good stuff that comes with that. Yeah. I like that. So having fun. Have fun. Just go have fun. Right. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I would love, love, love to hear how like these trials and this hardship. I mean, just even with the death of your husband and then new marriage and new kids and like just the whole story, like how has that changed you? And if you could lead into like how you created the Lucas project and this farm idea and like all the beauty that you're bringing out of this. Has it changed me? (laughs) I'm a work in progress. That's for sure. Um, I joke, the Lord took the most introverted person in the world and gave her eight kids and was like, Tag, you're it. (laughs) And I'm going to give you a child who's profoundly disabled. Um, I just think, I mean, my faith is what leads me and it's all about becoming more Christ-like and bringing glory to his name. And I'm just increasingly amazed at like my story and how Luke, like the most humble human being on the, on the face of this planet, who doesn't care if anybody knows his name is being used in such sacred spaces um, to bring people hope and healing. And I often say too, I'm just a vessel. Like I wake up every day and just pray that I have the strength to be obedient to whatever he calls me to walk through. And as I've I've been obedient, doors open, and they're hard doors sometimes, but um, blessing follows obedience. And I don't know, that's just, I've, it's kind of a muscle that you work. And as you work it, it becomes easier to say, you know, you are God and I am not. All right, I'll walk through this door. And I hope I can continue to be faithful. Well, I, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that daily you do that and that you're being a blessing to other people and, um, using your obedience for the glory of God and just, oh my goodness, I feel like being a caregiver is the hardest thing in the whole world. And so the things that you're doing are, are blessing those people. And I feel like it's just a big hug for those people that just need so desperately for someone to understand and care for them. And, So thank you so much. It is hard and it's, I don't want to sound like I'm detracting from that either. It's definitely um, puts me on my knees every day, praying for wisdom, praying for strength. My prayer every morning is multiply my time, multiply my sleep, multiply my energy because it takes a lot. (laughs) Any caregiver knows it takes a whole lot out of you. Yeah. Yeah, I feel it's the same way. I'm like, I'm just, I have a fish, just a fish, please. <laughs> yes, multiply it. Yeah. Um, okay, can you tell us about the Lucas Project? 
and about your farm idea? Yes. Um, there are two separate entities. I should clarify that. A lot of people think Hope Farm is the Lucas Project and vice versa, and it's not. Um, The Lucas Project is a nonprofit that serves special needs families with recognition, respite, and resources. Um, We do this a couple different ways. We help produce the Unseen documentary, How We're Failing Parent Caregivers and Why It Matters. That's been used as an incredible tool across the nation um, and will be aired nationally this November um, in honor of Caregiver Month, I think. <laughs> is that what's in November? I can't keep well, it That's off. amazing. I have no idea, but where? Yeah. what is it on? Uh, PBS. So yeah. we're very excited about that. We're also um, partnering with a lot of churches and going into churches and using this documentary as a tool uh, just to bring awareness that there's a mission field ripe for the picking right in your backyards. And it's time that you see these special needs families because we don't often see families like ours. The world just isn't made for, for our reality. So we stay home exhausted, isolated in our homes and nobody sees us. And we're trying to extend that message into churches and saying, you need to begin to see these families um, and lend a hand somehow um, you know, whether that's a care ministry or, or providing some respite once a month through your church or sending meals or whatever that looks like. These families are desperate for help. And then we provide care packages. Uh, you can nominate a caregiver on our website to receive one of these. It, it started out of the pandemic, honestly, when we had to shut down our in-person respite center and pivot to like this care package with respite in a box. And then people loved them. Um, so you can nominate a caregiver to receive one of those on our website. We are also launching our first in-person respite center here in Michigan. Um, hopefully by 2024, if we can get all of our township approvals and permits, and that's been a massive thing, but um, that's the goal. And if that's successful, we'd really like to possibly franchise it in the future or create resources to teach other communities how to create something similar where they live. I know that in Utah, they have like respite centers and it's basically like you can go drop your kid off anytime and just go sign them in. Like anytime you need a break, is that kind of the same idea? Oh, that's awesome. No, um, we, we don't have anything really that targets the profoundly disabled where we are. We live in a very philanthropic area and with lots of special needs options even but not if you have like a profoundly disabled individual who is incontinent or who needs like one-on-one assistance. So we don't want to be, we don't want to turn away anybody. So there will be like a registration format just so that we have the staff and the volunteers that can handle whatever is coming our way. Um, So it won't be like a drop-in, but I, I think that concept's amazing. I'm not sure how that works with, those who require such a high level of care. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not that familiar with it. I just got to coach a mama who was like taking advantage of that. I'm yeah. Sure all, so I could be completely lying to everyone out there right now, but <laughs> pretty sure it was Utah. I'm pretty sure it was drop in respite okay. and, and bring your kid if you need a break. Um, so will it be kind of like a, a daily thing or a nightly thing or a weekly? Like how, how will you have that set up? We're going to start with just once a month for five hours. Um, and our goal is to provide it free of charge. We're hoping to partner with our local community mental health where people can use their respite dollars from 
their funding and pour it into this respite center. We want to make sure that the direct care uh, staffing crisis, like it, like we have a firm handle on on employers, or I'm sorry, employees, before we progress to like after school care or the day center, the day program. Um, so we're just going to start with the once a month. If that goes well and we're successful with that, we want to offer after school care. If that goes well, then we want to offer a day program for young adults. But it's all kind of a five year program. I love it. We don't want to stretch ourselves too thin if we can't maintain good workers. Yeah. Your core, I'm sorry. I realized that we're going a little longer than I had anticipated, but I have so (laughs) many questions now. Your core group of people, is that like you and your husband or is that you and mama friends that are also special needs mamas? Like, what does that look like? My core group of people, like with the Lucas Project, it's me. It's, I have a board, but yeah, like your people. Yeah. I have a board, but it's, it's me. People are always like, it's just you. Yes. A lady. I'm hoping I start praying that somebody would show up and yeah, I have a a part-time assistant and um, we are starting to partner with local day programs to help us create the care packages. Um, and I'm also going into my second grader's classroom and her whole classroom is going to help us create the care packages. So I'm starting to to say to myself, like, I can't maintain this level of intensity for much longer. So we need to find some good partnerships come in and help us out with some of this stuff. Yeah. I would love to help you figure that out. I mean, not that I know anybody there, but I'm like, I could do research and help you find You're right. There we go. Yeah. Um, okay. Last question. Your farm. Yes. This is, like I saw this and I was like, oh my goodness. Yes. I need to have her on this podcast. So the farm, it, we're still trying to figure it out. Um, as usual with everything I do in life, I have an idea and I just jump in and I just figure it'll work out somehow. We'll figure out the details later. And that's kind of what happened. We, we knew we wanted to purchase a farm close to where we lived. Um, we had really no idea if it was going to be for like, two people or 20 people. Um, my heart wants to like help every family in our County, but that's just not realistic. And then as we got into the process, um, with this farm, it has two homes on it, a Brown ranch that we're converting into an unlicensed home for Lucas and a couple of his friends. And then there's an old farmhouse and a big white barn. That portion is going to be part of the Lucas project for the respite center. Um, the house is, is like an LLC hope farm. So that's, they're kind of two separate entities. And we weren't sure initially, even if it was all going to be under the Lucas project, are we going to add residential? Are we going to, and it just got to like, we can't do everything. Like we need to pick our lane with the Lucas project. This house needs to kind of be our personal thing. And if it works, we want to um, educate other people within the community about how to create something similar for their child. And we see that white barn as being potentially like a place to hold conferences and seminars to teach other families. Okay. This is what we did. This is the process because it's a process. We had no idea. We had no idea that the township gets involved and that community mental health gets involved and that you need a home health care system. And then you need to get enough dollars per individual living there from the state to pay the home health care system. And we didn't even realize that we 
really had to kind of be particular about what types of individuals we were going to accept um, because somebody said to us, you can't have high personal care needs individuals and high behavioral needs individuals. You're going to burn out your staff. So you need to pick a lane. And we were like, oh, well, we wanted to help everybody. <laughs> but that doesn't work because then you're also putting these high personal care individuals who are very, very vulnerable in harm's way with the high behavioral needs individuals. So we had to turn away a lot of families that just wouldn't fit within the criteria that we're trying to create. And that was really hard um, to say to families, I'm sorry, your your loved one just isn't going to be a good fit for this. Um, but we finally have the individuals who will be living there. And we're now trying to sort of create this community with these families. We want to be very much involved in our children's lives, obviously. Um, and when they're living there, like have the monthly potlucks where we all get together and the bonfires and just hang out. And cause we figure, you know, we're family, like we're, we're probably going to bury each other's children. Like we're in this together and we have to like each other at the end of the day too. So it's just been such a process, such a, um, a process of surrender constantly like, okay, I know God led us to this farm and we just have to have faith that things will work out the way they're supposed to. And they are, but it still is like constantly surrendering my desire because my desire would have it be completed already. And it's the only thing that we have completed is it's, it's gutted. That's it. <laughs> so we haven't even gotten to work on it yet. You have the land. We have the land. We purchased it. That's huge. Yeah, but it's kind of sitting there and like we're paying two mortgages like for oh, a year. Yeah. Well, and so we're kind of like, we got to get these individuals in here so that we can at least pay pay what what's due on it every month. <laughs> so, okay. But, you know, he's faithful and he has been and it'll work out, you know. I love that. Thank you for sharing with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Everybody. Oh, how can people find you? Like they need the book. They need your ministry. Right. They need all of you. So let I'm them all over. Yeah. I'm on um, my website is just plus com. I'm on Facebook at just plus MS and Instagram, just plus MS, um, the Lucas org, And then caregiver doc.com is the documentary. Um, I think that's it. My books are Sunlight Burning at Midnight, Blended with Grit and Grace, and Loving with Grit and Grace. I love that. If people want to share the documentary with others, is there an easy way to do that? Um, You can't watch it. Um, Like there's not a way to watch it unless you sign up for updates. And then we have private screenings around the country. And often those private screenings will offer a free option to watch it. So if you sign up for those updates, um, you'll just stay in the loop with everything we have going on. I love that. Okay. Well, Jessica, thank you so, so much for coming on and sharing. Yeah, thank you. I'm grateful for you. Hey, I'm so glad that you joined us today. If this episode blessed you at all, would you mind leaving a review or sharing with others? This, as you know, will help other mamas find us and in turn will bless them. Hey, thanks so much for trusting us with your time today.